0: Hey, true crime listeners! Check out our podcast. I said, "Goddamn!" We're a true crime comedy podcast hosted by two besties who like to share messed up cases that make you say, "Goddamn!" Every Sunday, we try to one up each other's story by sharing a horrific case the other has never heard of. Along the way, we splash in some wildly inappropriate jokes and colorful language. Listen every Sunday from any of your favorite podcast directories. Also, follow us on Twitter at isgdpodcast or visit our website isgdpodcast.com.
1: Are you ready to solve some goddamn mysteries? This is Perhaps It's You. An unofficial Unsolved Mysteries Rewatch podcast. I'm your cool mystery aunt, Liz. I'm the other cool mystery aunt, Samantha. That's not a title we made up for ourselves, so therefore it's fine. (laughs) And we're here to recap and explore yet another episode of Unsolved Mysteries. What what fucking episode is this? It's episode seven. All right. I'm going to let everyone know right now that I took... No, it's not. It's episode eight. (laughs) God damn it. I took very poor notes on this because i was not in a good place while watching this episode that's okay so, i have the big mystery in it so for yeah fortunately it pretty much all fell on samantha just the way the cookie crumbled and it's a relief for me yeah this is season three episode
0: eight and
1: eh, we'll we'll get into what we think of it but Oof. do you have yes. any updates before we start okay update male a version of a succubus <laughs> can't believe we didn't think of it at the time incubus yes It was an incubus. Thank you for everyone who reminded me. That's it. No, 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 no. We got an, a cool gift in the mail. Mail time update. Mail time. I wish we ha- Oh, I used to have... Did you watch Blue's Clues? Absolutely. I certainly didn't when I was way, way too old. I used to have the purple mailbox, like oh a plastic God. purple mailbox, and I wish we had it. We could pull out our letter for mail time. Damn it. Well, All right. I'm this is an audio medium. Just imagine that's what we're doing. No, I'm seriously looking on eBay later. <laughs> okay. So we need to thank Laramie and Troy, who sent us two little aliens, and they have... The mustaches the stingray and the volcano the mustaches these are mvms for sure yeah they they studied the mvms and they put them on alien form and we would just like to thank them for their thoughtful gift this is really sweet absolutely and laramie has an etsy shop yes if you would like to get your own cryptid barefoot cryptid on etsy and you can get a cool felted wool I was browsing. Mothman a little bit. or Slenderman or some sort a of creature.
0: Lot, yeah, there's a lot of cryptids represented. It's sometimes hard to find things like night crawlers. I'm creeped out by those, <laughs> but if that's the cryptid you want for your little shelf, there's one on that. For, et- you know how yeah. you have a cryptid shelf? Which you should. I assume all our listeners do. Um, there was a little
1: chupacabra oh, we need to do an episode about... I is really there I think we mysteries about we should. I don't know, but I think that might be a good Patreon topic. You know what I was trying to convince Samantha to do a Patreon on before we started this? Highly relevant to this podcast. The movie Mac and Me, which if you've never seen it, is the most low-rent rip-off of E.T.
0: I've honestly never heard of it before until Liz brought it up, but it sounds like something that I think would make an excellent Patreon episode. I
1: think it really would, and... We hadn't formally finalized what we were going to do this month, and I think it would be a nice, fun topic for December. (laughs) I don't know if it's streaming or what, but I'll look into that after we record. In high school, we had to do... I honestly
0: don't remember what the project was now, but in my Spanish class in high school, we had to do like a book report style like Spanish report on something, but I chose... El Chupacabra. Amazing. Everyone else chose like very sure. not weird topics. Sure. And then I get up in front of the class and I'm like <laughs> my topic is El Chupacabra.
1: <laughs> That's amazing. Of course you did. Which was everyone's favorite if I do.
0: I gave a, I'm a
1: speech to my speech class about the X-Files. Nice. So, I was pretty cool don't don't ever doubt it we were the coolest kids around (laughs) definitely that's why we do this podcast now we've been preparing our whole lives really if you think about it we really have yeah so thank you so much laramie
0: and troy yeah getting gifts in the mail is like the funnest thing ever
1: it really is like it's the best it's just a constant little pat on the back that we absolutely need to keep going and every, every
0: time something comes in the mail for us, I think that is just like the strangest <laughs> way my
1: life has gone. Like, yeah.
0: I have an Unsolved mystery podcast. We have fans. People send us
1: stuff. It's like, whatever happened to that weirdo who gave so that wild. chupacabra speech? And it's like, oh, pff, she talks about Unsolved Mysteries now and people send her aliens in the mail. <laughs> and another person's like, no one surprised. Figures. Yeah. She was so weird. My, I can only imagine these
0: conversations at my like. 10 year high school reunion that I'm pretty sure is coming up.
1: That would be amazing, though. Yeah. You should go back with, well, make cards finally. You should go back and just like try to get more mystery solvers the whole time. Like you won't talk about anything else. You're just like networking. You're like, hey, I'm Samantha. Remember me? That's right. I've barely aged a day. Also, I show up
0: wearing this shirt. Yeah. Which is the mystery solver alien shirt. We're like,
1: also, I have a podcast now. No, not like everyone. Here's here's our card. It's about unsolved mysteries. If you have a paranormal story, you should totally write in. We're so popular. I can imagine those kind of
0: like cereal, a podcast.
1: <laughs> I've heard of podcasts. I've heard of po- so it's it's hosted by NPR, and you're like, yeah, and then you just walk away. <laughs> sure is. <laughs> We're number one in iTunes. Liz says that sometimes. It must be true she wouldn't lie to us don't look it up though don't look it up ever
0: yeah i thought i had another update but i don't honestly remember
1: i feel like now. throughout the week i think of so many things but i am a dumbass and i don't write them down and then when we actually sit down to record i'm like uh bleh? Bleh? yeah i don't really i don't really have
0: anything you know what i want to mention thank you for the positive feedback on our latest patreon episode
1: we watched uh haunted yes yeah, so that's now available if you cough up one dollar you can listen to that yeah that weird netflix show of reenactments of sort of ghost stories sort of not neither of the ones we talked about were actual ghost stories so <laughs> they only had to come up with six and yet they failed so yeah so for that's a, a dollar a month you can get you can get that you can go go to a fountain reach in scoop out the change send that to us
0: Yeah, you can send it in a plastic bag. I don't know how we would get you the Patreon episode, but we'll figure it out. We'll figure it
1: out. Did I totally want to do that in middle school so I could buy a nail polish? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And now you can do it to listen to podcasts. What a time to be alive. Yeah. Unless they're giving that money to charity, I guess. If it just goes to the mall, take it. Yeah. They don't need it. They don't need your... (laughs) Your... Dirty pennies that you threw in there. Okay, we're already slightly off the rails as usual. But as usual. So, should we talk about this, or or just no? I think just like freewheel it. I mean, that's what we do every week. Um, so, at the yeah, beginning really of true. this episode, okay. we get a new kids on the block update. We get a totally unnecessary update, which irritates me more and more as time goes by. It's really—I don't. Calling
0: it an update is generous. It's the entire segment again.
1: Yeah, and with no additional information. No. But I guess you get to see the new kids on the block again. So if you're horny for them, like, kudos. But for the rest of us, boring. We don't need that at all. It's just a waste of time. Just make the episode shorter. Like, I realize they're trying to, like, fluff them out to an hour or whatever. But we're wasting all of our time. Robert Stack, if he was alive, he would not approve of this. I don't think so. I get to say what he would want. And no. (laughs) wouldn't want this you speak for the dead robert stack (laughs) yes i do oh i'm so sorry my my apologies to the stack family and his estate i do not okay (laughs) don't
0: sue me i'm glad we put
1: that legal disclaimer don't sue me you does not speak for the robert stack estate do not come and take lenny and curtis and my, Someone's already taken uh, Curtis and replaced him with some dog <laughs> I've never seen before. Yeah, Curtis got a haircut and is now fucking unrecognizable. <laughs> they could have just brought him out and I would have been like, I'm sorry, I'm here for my dog. Where I didn't pick him up, so this didn't happen. But uh, no, I dropped off a totally different dog. Could you go get that one, please? I walked
0: into Liz's house today.
1: I couldn't believe it. He he's looks like so he's so lost 50 pounds. which is weird because he only weighed like 10 to begin with. Right but he's, like, half the size. And he has, like, really long legs. Good for him. <laughs> Good for Curtis. <laughs> His tail is curlier than you thought it was. I know!
0: I didn't realize how much it, like, also came, like, curled backwards. It's like a, it's like a little pig. So cute. He's really adorable. He looks like a puppy. Yeah. Instead of a shagmoth. Anyway, we eventually do need to talk about this do we episode.
1: Though? We've committed. You're right. You have to talk about late great hero Amelia Earhart that's right
0: so this is they call this a mysterious legend which is it why are we putting Amelia Earhart in the same category as Bigfoot
1: I don't <laughs> understand as a kid I thought Amelia Earhart was so cool I still do but well, yeah I definitely yeah. did as a kid I, okay yes she but was, like, I the coolest. I can't say that I've really given her much thought well that's true recently until watching this and getting quite angry yeah because well, well you'll see All right, six decades ago at
0: the time that this aired, Amelia Earhart was one of the most famous women in the world. Robert Stack says she had the figure of a movie star and the face of an angelic tomboy.
1: Okay. That's a weird way of saying she had short hair. Yeah.
0: More importantly than her looks, she was the first woman to pilot an airplane across the Atlantic. Oh,
1: huh. Yeah. That's weird that we haven't talked about. well, I guess we have talked about a lot of butts, but I was going to say it's it's weird that we haven't talked about how every single man who's coming up in these mysteries looked. Yeah, I mean, we talk about the butts, but yeah, Robert Stack fails to mention them. <laughs> He's never telling us how ha- dare he how how Mothman's booty looked. <laughs> Why
0: not? We haven't seen the Mothman segment, Liz. Yeah, we don't know.
1: I feel like. We would have heard by now if Robert Stack specifically mentioned and he had a he had a really tight rear end. <laughs> That's how he'd put it. Too. What if he's like Mothman? He had the figure of a movie star and the face of an angelic tomboy. I'm just going to apply that description to like everyone now. Son of Sam, he had the figure of a movie star in the face of an angelic tomboy. <laughs> <laughs> Bigfoot. <laughs> we know Bigfoot had that booty, just according to that one sketch, Samantha. I do not accept that sketch as fact.
0: I'm picturing Rubberstack in his very serious way, just being like Mothman never skips leg day.
1: <laughs> well, clearly not. I'm not even convinced Mothman has legs, despite that statue. <laughs> He He You're supposed to be a a, giant moth Not really half moth half man Well, Why do they call him moth man then? Because he's as big as a man He's a giant moth with glowing red eyes (laughs) That's a fair point And sort of a mysterious dark figure I'm not sure I'm not sure anyone said he had buff. (laughs) calves i don't recall that in the perfectly point. round just pert booty <laughs> no one mentioned that in the terrifying point pleasant documentary okay,
0: they were running from him it doesn't necessarily mean he didn't have that they never saw him from behind <laughs> all right I love Mothman. I want to say, someone in our Facebook group is claiming that they are going to write
1: a Mothman romance. Nothing. Not sure if it's actually going to happen, but I need it to. That, if it does happen, the day that I learned that is the best day of my life. Yeah. Nothing I'm would make buy me 20 copies. happier. In I insist that it's dedicated to
0: Samantha. Liz insist. Told Liz, I told Liz that I saw that post in our Facebook group, and she told me that I should insist that it be dedicated to me. Like, I don't think I can insist that someone Why dedicate their book to me. But you were
1: you inspired it? I guess I did. <laughs> so, this is your now when you go to your high school reunion and you're like, "Hey, I'm a super famous podcaster." That's right. My skin looks ageless. <laughs> did you know that I inspired a Mothman romance novel? gonna be my legacy yeah you can get me a drink and like no one asked <laughs> i'd love a drink thank you it's like liz can see the future <laughs> also skin gold comes out of my very pores that's how you should show up at your high school reunion with gold leaf <laughs> i'm just picturing myself getting thrown out You're like, we're gonna have to ask you to leave can you think of something to be prouder of than getting booted from your high school reunion? That sounds so punk rock. It's true. And it's like, uh, Samantha, we had to kick her out. <laughs> I would be so impressed. Tell, okay, listeners, if we can, Samantha can get herself kicked out of her own high school reunion, tell me you would be impressed. Yes? Yes. <laughs> I assume they said yes. All right, so Robert
0: Stack further describes Amelia Earhart as part all-American girl, part daredevil, and the, quote, perfect hero for her time but how were her lashes were they long and luscious their, let's let's focus on our appearance for more perfect so she al- was also an outspoken advocate for women's rights we see a video footage of her speaking in which she says that in her field a pilot is a pilot and that her hope is that women will be able to achieve the same level of equality in all fields
1: mm, good luck with that amelia you know.
0: So, on May 20th, 1937, Amelia and her navigator Fred Noonan prepared to take off. She was 39 years old and attempting to become the first person to fly around the world at the equator, which is the widest part of the globe. Robert Stack says that today... It is? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Listen...
1: Uh, the world isn't flat. I'm sorry. Yeah, this is when I come out to Samantha as a flat earth truther. No, the what you don't understand is, is that there's an ice wall around <laughs> the edge, and that's what we think are the poles. People uh, the really think. Is over. I think some people watched Game of Thrones and they were like, oh, the wall. Like, they yeah. think that's real.
0: That's like north and south. Like, total sense.
1: Yeah. Or, like, don't some people think that there's like a dome? Probably, because they probably watched that show, The Dome.
0: Oh, yeah. And then they
1: went, oh, this was a documentary. And it's like, no, it was a book by Stephen King. And then they went, we live in a dome. (laughs) Where do we live? That's right, a dome. All
0: right, so Robert Stack says that today, 53 years later, new evidence has deepened the mystery surrounding Amelia Earhart's last flight.
1: I'm just preparing to be so angry as this goes on, so continue.
0: So Amelia and Fred made it almost the entire way. They flew two-thirds of the journey fairly quickly, according to an author named Fred Gorner. Wait, he's just invested in this because his name's also Fred. I know. I'm going to... He's biased. From here on out, I'm going to call him Author Fred so we don't get him confused with her navigator, Fred
1: Noonan. Okay, but how did the navigator Fred look? Did he have. I don't know that we even saw a picture of him in the segment. Does he have a clear complexion? Does he have a strong jaw? Like, Does he I, have a mustache? Yeah, like we're focusing so much on Amelia Earhart's figure Oops. that I, I'd like to know about Fred. Was he dreamy? Was he kind of like, eh? Let's assume that he was dreamy. Okay. Why not? <laughs> And actually, they were making out, and that's why. (laughs) They crashed? (laughs) Yeah. That's my new theory. It would make
0: as much sense as anything else that
1: this episode puts forward. Actually, yeah, my, believe it or not, my theory is way more sensitive to the departed than what is put forth in this episode of Unsolved Mysteries. Oh, they were too busy banging, and that's why the plane crashed.
0: So this guy is an author who has supposedly studied Amelia Earhart. I do not think he's her biographer, so don't think that he has some, like, soil credentials.
1: I would never think that, considering.
0: So, anyway, he says that they must have been very tired. They had two from days... From making out. Go obviously, on. Obviously. ...in New Guinea to rest up, but they were about to face the most grueling part of their flight, which was an 18-hour trip from New Guinea to a tiny island called Howland Island. It's a very small target, only a mile and a half long and half a mile wide, and it's basically at sea level. So this was a very difficult uh, flight. In fact, he said that if there was a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the most difficult flight, this would be a 10. It would be the hardest flight you would have to do. Um, High Seas delayed their takeoff from New Guinea. They were planning on getting back, um, finishing the flight on I think it's the 4th of July, and they ended up not leaving until July 2nd. So they were going to be late, um, but another researcher explains that Fred Noonan was the best navigator in the world, but he was only responsible for navigating, and then he lists all of the many things that Amelia had to do to fly the airplane, all while operating the radio. This is where Liz is going to start getting mad. <laughs> because this is where Fred, the author, comes back to say that Amelia was not competent with the radio. He claims that she never took the time to learn it and that it was her Achilles heel.
1: I just fucking refuse to believe that. I refuse to believe that this accomplished pilot Didn't couldn't I, be bothered to learn how to properly use a radio, which would save her life. I
0: don't understand. And what, I, Where is the evidence of this? I, I googled Amelia Earhart radio, and not that that's... a in-depth research but i didn't see anything that blamed her crash on not being able to use the radio granted we know a little bit more and i'll get into that later
1: about what happened to her now but i i just i i saw this and without looking anything up or what i was just like no i i fucking refuse to believe that and i just yeah. don't think that you would come to that same conclusion about oh, man i just don't no of course not because- it's like oh she didn't know how to do a basic thing required for this flight yeah, that, that was her Achilles heel, that she was so dumb. There's other holes in that
0: theory that we'll get into in a second. So... This was a time before radar, so all Amelia had on her flight to connect her to the world was a battery-powered radio. Near Howland Island, the Coast Guard ship Itasca was waiting to make radio contact with her as soon as she came within range. The ship was prepared to rescue Amelia and Fred should anything go wrong. So, basically, it's because they were in the middle of the ocean, in the middle of nowhere, this Coast Guard ship was out there to help them navigate to Howland Island. Mm Mm-hmm. Seventeen and a half hours into the flight, Amelia radioed the Itasca, asking them to get a radio bearing on her position. What happens, according to Fred, the author, is that she whistles into the radio. This is according to his theory. She whistled because she mistakenly thought that she had to. In reality, she just needed to open the radio signal to the Itasca for 30 seconds. Why would she think that? Don't I don't know. And it's possible that... I don't know anything about flying at this time period. Maybe that's something other people did. Don't really know. She
1: was such a dummy that she thought radios turned on by whistling. She was incorrect.
0: Like, what? It seems like other things went around. I don't know. This Fred guy really thinks that she just didn't know how to use the radio, and that's why she got lost. I hate him. So basically, she. the other thing is that we don't know why she broke off contact with the Itasca too soon for them to get a bearing on her position. I don't think it's known why she did that. I think Fred is assuming she just didn't know how radios worked,
1: but... Maybe it st- the radio stopped working. This is a fucking battery-operated radio. Right. We're acting like that is an infallible piece of equipment, maybe they just didn't get her signal. You know, maybe her, her uterus was broken. Who knows? <laughs> maybe she was so busy looking at a mirror because... <laughs> You know, ladies, <laughs> that she and whistling because she she like saw herself and she was like hubba hubba and she whistled, and then was so distracted by her own appearance. Oh yeah, yeah. That she cut off communication. Well, she is a woman, so let's. And then
0: got her period. <laughs> all at the same time. Yeah. So basically, Fred and Amelia get off course. They can't see Howland Island and all. Um. All, according to Fred, the author, all Amelia would have had to do was open a radio transmission to the Itasca. But for some reason, uh, he thinks that she was reluctant to let the radio just start transmitting. Because on a previous flight the last year, she had overused the radio and drained the battery. So basically, this is why like it's very confusing. They are saying that she both didn't use the radio because she didn't know how and that she didn't use the radio because she knew how but was afraid to drain the battery Well,
1: she did it wrong before because she was so stupid and she didn't want to be so stupid again so she was extra stupid <laughs> i think so it, <laughs> kind of what he's also saying. she doesn't have other batteries like she I, didn't want to drain the battery and no more could ever be found i feel like the plan of stopping on this island just seems flawed
0: yeah, and I I don't know why they stopped there. I don't know if it's because they but had there's to. There's nowhere else to go. I'm assuming but... that's the case. And I just I don't understand this theory. Like, to, At risk of spending too much time on this, I don't know why he's saying, well, she only had to open the radio line for 30 seconds and then it all would have been fine because the Itasca could reach them. Oh, but she was afraid to open up the line for 30 seconds because she didn't want to drain the battery. Like, which is it? Yeah. It makes no sense.
1: I mean, I'm just... A, I just... I don't I don't think this guy is correct on either way.
0: No. So the last transmission the Itasca heard was Amelia, frantic, saying that she was switching to a frequency that the Itasca knew they couldn't reach her at. At this point in the show, it is asserted that she was unfamiliar with emergency procedures, which does not seem like it could
1: possibly be correct. No one talked to her about that before this historic flight? Like, they're Guess willing not. to put a boat in the middle of the ocean just to help her navigate, but they're not gonna tell her what to do in an emergency. Guess not.
0: Or I just think if she was flying across the ocean, she would take it up I mean, you would think she would take it upon herself. Also, to what understand. is Fred
1: doing right now? She's like she's like, Well, well he's I'm a man, so it can't be I'm only the navigator. I shouldn't tell her, Oh, hey, how about switching to that other line? You know what I mean? Like right. he's just there not interfering, falling to his death. I guess Because he's only the navigator. I guess. He's also not familiar with emergency procedure, despite being on this historic flight. Yeah. So the generally
0: accepted theory of what happened is that they ran out of fuel and ditched the plane in the ocean. A 16-day search around Howland Island, excuse me, never found the plane. So experts believe that Amelia and Fred went down in the waters around Howland Island. But incredibly, unconfirmed sightings have
1: placed Amelia... What was that? It was the table. Wow. It got caught on my blankets. That
0: reverb. Okay. Sorry
1: about that.
0: That's all right. So this is what Robert Stack says. Incredibly unconfirmed sightings have placed Amelia at a different island northwest of Howland Island called Saipan.
1: No. This is where we go off the rails. No, none of this happened, and it makes me angry. And mm-hmm. So I'm I sorry even, I even have to go into this. But I can't even articulate like, why this bothers me so much. So,
0: so far, they're just giving you the background of what's generally accepted about what happened to Amelia Earhart, and now we're getting into the new evidence. So... At the time of Amelia's flight, Saipan was an important military base for Japan. Seven years later, where we pick up the story, Saipan had been taken over by American forces. That's the history. This Thomas Devine describes an incident in which him and another soldier that are stationed on Saipan are stopped by a group of Marines and kept out of a heavily guarded airplane hangar. They overhear two Marines nearby saying that they have Amelia Earhart's plane, and then a man in civilian clothes storms over and yells at everybody to stop talking?
1: Because I just don't believe any of this. He, this is a classified project and he just goes off. Well, none of it's true. We'll get into why later. But Stealing Amelia Earhart's plane and keeping it from the public is a classified project that we don't know why we took on. <laughs> What purpose does it serve? None of this makes any sense.
0: The next day, Thomas saw a civilian plane flying low above the island. He wrote down the ID numbers on the plane, and it is exactly the same as Amelia Earhart's plane. (gasps) This is proof, everyone. So later that night, he again saw the plane. But this time, Liz, it was in flames. (laughs) They were
1: burning it. (laughs) I was texting Samantha as we were watching this, like, and now they're burning the plane for some reason? (laughs) Why would you burn Amelia Earhart's plane? Because the other people knew too much. They overheard the conversation. But who cares? I Should, don't know. Would you tell everybody if you found Amelia Earhart's plane? I don't know. For some reason, they wanted to keep it secret on a hangar and Saipan. I don't know why this would be a secret. The government needed the plane for secret reasons. <laughs> I really think that's... For secret research. I really think that's the hypothesis here is that, well, governments are shady. Yeah, shrug. They, they are. So, of course, they would But there is, like, a purpose to the things that they do. They don't just do things to act mysteriously. <laughs> do they, like, hide information and stuff? Absolutely. Would they just keep Amelia Earhart's plane and a hangar on an island and then, then burn, burn it, it after flying it one time? <laughs> Why? What? They're acting <laughs> like this is a UFO or something. And yeah. it's fucking just a plane. It just happened to be flown by Amelia Earhart. It's also one of the biggest mysteries in American history. Is what yeah, happened they to Amelia would Earhart? Fucking go put that in the Smithsonian, Smithsonian and charge people to see it or something. Yeah, they wouldn't just burn it. So next we meet a Marine who describes having nothing. Liz
0: is just sighing with her head in her hands.
1: literally rubbing my forehead because I can feel a
0: tension headache coming. This Marine describes having nothing to do during the day when they were stationed on Saipan, so they just wandered around looking for souvenirs. They were just looting stuff,
1: (laughs) which he seemed to act like that was... You know what I did when I was in the armed forces? I just stole things. Yeah, this like, is oh. not an uninhabited island. Either. Thank you for your like, service. He tells the story
0: of finding a safe in a building on the, on the island, and him and his buddies decide to blow the
1: door off with a stick of dynamite. This is actually probably really... This part of the story, I believe. So, we just wandered around the island <laughs> stealing stuff and blowing stuff up, because we didn't have anything to do. He claims to have found a briefcase in the safe that was full of Amelia Earhart's papers. Yep, they just le- they locked it up in a safe, but then they left that safe completely unattended and didn't care if people blew it up to access it.
0: He turned the briefcase over to his commanding officer, never to see it again. Anyway, another Amelia Earhart author... Yeah, I, I bet they
1: put it in the plane before they burned it. Oh, maybe. Yeah, They used it as kindling.
0: <laughs> it was paper, after all. So mm-hmm. this author is named Buddy and says that he found a woman in Saipan who witnessed Amelia Earhart's death. Unsolved Mysteries goes to Saipan, finds the woman, and records an interview with her. This is what she said happened. I can't explain why this woman is saying these things, but... It wasn't Amelia Earhart, but... (laughs) A woman and a man, this this is her testimony, were brought ashore by the Japanese soldiers. The Japanese soldiers said that they had captured two spies. Many of the islanders went into the town to see them. They made the man and the woman
1: strip off all their clothes... I sure okay (sighs) if you've ever wanted to see a reenactment of a naked Amelia Earhart if that's your kink Good news. This is all mysteries is made for I will you. say you don't get to see much. No, you'll have to use your imagination, but perhaps just the suggestion of it is enough for you. Sure. My notes at this point kind of start going downhill. I wrote, she doesn't eat her rice. Yeah, they kill her for that. They put her... They kind of make it seem they don't kill her for this buying, that they kill her for not eating her rice. They
0: put her in a motorcycle. They shoot her in the field. Uh, so in 19... Yeah, so they. this woman claims that she oh, saw them execute what? her.
1: Evidence is there that that was Amelia Earhart and not a spy? There's none
0: because so this is what happened in 1988. Buddy goes to Saipan and gets permission to dig where the woman said the grave was, and they did find a remnant of a blindfold. The woman said that, the woman said that the woman she okay. saw them yeah, execute, but it's just a piece of cloth, really. Yeah, they found no human remains, so this woman might not be lying. She may have seen Japanese soldiers kill someone, but it was why not Amelia Earhart. Would that be Amelia Earhart? Well,
1: it wasn't. Just because I was a woman? I guess. Do you know how many women there have been in history? <laughs> nope. <laughs> just? Just? Okay, let's think of the only women there have been. Joan of Arc, <laughs> Queen Elizabeth. That's it, right? Amelia Earhart, and Rosa Parks? No one else. I think that's pretty much it. Spot about it. All
0: right, so here is what... A lo- th- there's another guy who seems a little more level-headed. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I'm highly amused at the idea that there's only been four women. <laughs> Ever. That was it. In all of history. In all of history. The only ones you ever learn about in school. That's why Amelia Earhart seemed cool. Is because you don't really learn about any women in school. It's really true. Like maybe Harriet Tubman. Yep. And women have done cool shit. You just never hear about it. Right. So an airplane
0: across across the Atlantic is cool as fuck.
1: Yeah. It was like controversial she wore pants. Right. So And then you hear about that and you're wearing pants and you're like, Wow, what a pioneer. Good job. Good job, Amelia Earhart. So
0: another author who seems a little more level-headed, although I don't know where he gets this information from, says that Amelia and Fred ran into three problems. One, the United States nautical charts that Fred was using to navigate had mislocated Howland Island by six miles. That's pretty bad. Oh, but she didn't know how to use radio, That's why she crashed.
1: (laughs) They're looking for a (laughs) tiny island that's the only place they can stop in the whole ocean that's only like a mile and a half wide and it's six miles off on the chart. That's terrible. There was also a faulty compass on their aircraft. (laughs) That's also terrible. According to him,
0: I don't know how they know this, but according to him, there's a faulty compass, which took them seven additional miles off course. Not good. And then he speculates, or someone speculates, that wind drifts
1: pushed them an additional 22 miles west. I'm starting to think Fred wasn't a very good navigator, you guys. (laughs) Possibly. I mean, he was so handsome, don't get me wrong. He was dreamy. But (laughs) how was his navigation skills really... (laughs) We shouldn't ask these questions.
0: So, if this is true, these combined factors t- would have taken them 35 miles off course. Yeah, that's pretty bad. However, that's also not true because. Oh.
1: So, uh- also Amelia Earhart went to Radio Shack and said, "I don't want to learn how to use any of these radios, but I need one to fly around the whole world." And they gave her one, but the batteries were like kind of already half. It was like a display model, yeah. So the batteries were like half dead, and she used that one, but she didn't want to learn how to use it. And typical woman, yeah. Okay, so I, if there's one thing I hate, it's radios. <laughs> Okay,
0: so a lot of Amelia Earhart news has come out this year. That's true. we basically know what happened to her. So even this last theory is, it may be right that they had these problems, but what he said and what they've shown on Self Mysteries is this map of them missing Howland Island by 35 miles to the west. Her bones, in all likelihood, were discovered in an island south, a little bit southeast of Howland Island. So, do you know the story? N- not, not really. Okay. So this just came out this year. Yeah, it's not a new discovery, but basically, they took a fresh look at an old discovery and basically said that we, they went, Ugh. That we know what happened to Amelia Earhart. So, Amelia Earhart, this is the title of the article from BBC News. I thought I put the date that this was published on, but it was this year. Bones discovered on a Pacific island in 1940 are likely to be those of famed pilot Amelia Earhart, according to a U.S. peer-reviewed science journal. Earhart, her plane, and her navigator vanished without a trace trace in 1937. I like that he doesn't even get a name. Poor Fred. (laughs) Poor Fred. So, a new study published in forensic, Forensic Anthropology claims these bones... Um, prove she died as an island castaway. The report claims that they are a 99% match, which contradicts an earlier conclusion about the bones. The study, titled Amelia Earhart and the... I'm going to get this wrong. Nikumaru Bones, was first published by the University of Florida and conducted by Professor Richard Jantz from the University of Tennessee. It disputes that the remains found on the eastern Pacific island of Nicararue, about 1,800 miles southwest of Hawaii, belonged to a man, as the researcher had determined in 1941. Boo. Earhart was known to have been near the island when she vanished during her doomed attempt to fly across the globe. A British party exploring the island for habitation in 1940 found a human skull, a woman's shoe, a navy tool used by her navigator, and a bottle of uh, herbal liquor, um, which was something that Earhart was known to carry. Oh! There was suspicion at the time that the bones could be the remains of Amelia Earhart. The party found a total of 13 bones, which were then sent to Fiji to be analyzed by Dr. Hoodless, who concluded that they had belonged to a male. However, Dr. Jantz argues that because forensic osteology, the study of bones, was still in its early stages at the time, Dr. Hoodless probably reached the wrong conclusion. Why did he think it was a man? Because Amelia Earhart was taller than most women. I think is why, and they just because of her movie star figure. Yes, <laughs> it actually turned out to be relevant. I didn't read the study; I just read these articles. So they didn't go into sure. details about why he came to that conclusion. But basically, the study of bones was not advanced; it was just in its infancy, and so they went off measurements. I, he
1: didn't really know what he was talking yeah, about. Yeah, and they were
0: they were bones that probably close were closer in resemblance to male bones because she was a taller than average woman. Um. Anyway, so they consulted Doctor Hoodless' measurements of the bones. Modern, they used a modern computer program now widely used by forensic anthropologists to compare them to Earhart's height and body stature. The bones have unfortunately been lost, so they can't what? be analyzed. Oh, I know. No. But the research team used historical photographs as well as her pilot's and driver's licenses to determine that her body proportions match the skeletal remains. Also, this was my favorite part. A historical seamstress was brought in and consulted to analyze her clothing, including the inseam length and the waist circumference. Of her trousers, this an- analysis reveals that Earhart is more similar to these bones than 99% of individuals in a large reference sample. So basically, uh, they said that this strongly supports the conclusion that these bones belong to Amelia Earhart. Until definitive evidence is presented that the remains are not those of Amelia Earhart, um, the most convincing argument is that they are hers. Hmm. So. Um, Do you want some
1: herbal liqueur right now <laughs> to celebrate?
0: May- maybe. Uh, There was another thing I wanted to bring up. There were these distress calls that were heard around the time of her crash coming from this island that for many years were dismissed as either hoaxes or (gasps) misunderstandings. So not only was she alive, but she was using a radio. Yes. This is why I wanted to talk about this, because there's this group of people call, that call themselves the Earhart Project, and on their website they say that they are testing the hypothesis that Amelia Earhart and Fred Noonan landed and eventually died on what was then Gardner oh. Island, but is now Nikumaru. I'm sorry, I keep pronouncing that wrong, I'm sure. So, I found an article um, this was also on BBC News, I think, um, and it was published in July of this year, that talks about whether or not these radio signals may have come from Amelia it says that Amelia Earhart may have sent distress calls from the tiny Pacific Island by the light of the moon, take, talking urgently into her radio while she recharged her damaged plane at low tide, according to a new report. The news report, published online by the International Group for Historic Aircraft Recovery, which is... um. Called they go by Tiger on July twenty fourth, which would have been Earhart's one hundred and twenty first birthday. Wow! Focuses on radio distress calls astr- attributed to Earhart after she and her her navigator friend Noonan went missing in the Central Pacific on July. Second, 1937. Historians have known about these distress calls for years, and many have been dismissed as either hoaxes or misunderstandings. Recently, Tiger went through the calls and found that 57 of the 120 messages reportedly heard by the public seem credible. A new analysis of these credible calls made from July 2nd to July 7th reveals that they happened in clusters during the nighttime hours. So the new report proposes a possible explanation. Perhaps Earhart got lost, on her historic attempt to fly around the world and landed her plane onto a coral reef near Gardner Island, which is now known as... I'm not going to say it again. Uh, The study's co-author, Richard Gillespie, executive director of Tiger... Says that according to the distress calls, Noonan was injured in the landing, but Earhart escaped relatively unharmed, except for an injured ankle. Gillespie said um, that during the day, the plane was in a precarious location stuck in the reef where the tide was high. The weather was hot and um, hungry tip sharks were nearby. Oh, my God. So it's possible that Earhart went ashore during the day to seek food and shelter and to escape the high tide, heat and sharks and then returned at night. At this time, Earhart would have had enough fuel to run the plane's engine and use the craft's propeller to recharge the batteries so that she could send out distress calls via her radio. That she didn't know how to use, yet she figured out how to do this. Got it. Right. Cool. Um, This is what Tiger calls the active periods. This was always at night. But if she parked... But if she's parked stationary in a tropical environment, the typical air-cooled engine would overheat. So when the engine got too hot, Earhart would have needed to shut it off to allow it to cool for 60 to 90 minutes, which would explain the silent periods between distress call clusters. Mm, This makes me so sad. So it's not for sure. As far as I could tell... People aren't totally sold that this is how it went down. It seems likely, given that these bones found on the same island probably belong to Amelia, it seems likely that she was sending distress calls from the island.
1: Oh, um, poor Amelia.
0: However, there are a few problems I that this article points out with this study. Um, the first is that a lot of people say that if you're going to be landing on a reef, you're not going to um, put your wheels down. Apparently... Either the distress sure. calls or something suggested that they had that they had landed with their wheels down, which is contrary to what you would do if you were ditching your plane in the ocean, because the wheels could catch either on the water or on the reef and make you go head over heels. Um, they also wonder how she could be, um, running the propeller because it it would hit the the water and it wouldn't, right. wouldn't work. People don't really know. Um, this study was also not peer reviewed. So they just publish self-published it online. I don't for whatever that's worth. Um, some people are casting doubt on it. Um, people also think that the coral would be too sharp for her to go back and forth between the plane and the land. I don't know. But I think it's interesting
1: that. Well, these... if those are her bones on the island, that would suggest there was a period of time after the crash where she was still alive, right? Right. Like and... she wasn't found in the plane. Exactly. It was found
0: on the island. The other thing is that People recorded these distress calls. There were primarily civilians who operated ham radios for fun um, and for hobbies. And these distress, and then various other people recorded these distress calls. Different individual people recorded these calls. I think you might even be able to hear some on YouTube. I'm not totally sure. So, it seems extremely unlikely that all these people were hoaxing or making it up right. or being confused. Also, they came from the same island that her bones were found on. So, the theory, to me, seems plausible. Wow. Yeah. I think the moral of that story is that she did know how to use a radio, and these people are... Yeah. They don't know what they're talking about.
1: That's right, everyone. Samantha has solved the mystery of Amelia <laughs> Earhart. You're welcome. Um, this is one of the worst segments of unsolved mysteries we've seen yet. It did a total disservice to her memory and the story, and it's also extremely racist. Just throwing that out there. Yeah, the it's, whole Japanese thing was ridiculous. I was like, well, obviously we should be suspicious of them. I was like, what? Why? What do they care about Amelia Earhart? What?
0: Yeah. The, and the weirdest part, too, is just at the beginning of the segment, they propose a perfectly logical explanation that most experts agree happened, <laughs> which is they crashed near the island they were trying to get to, but they couldn't find for whatever reason. Their compass yeah. malfunctioned. Who knows? But then they go off into left field and say, well, these people think they saw her miles away in this other...
1: like." They are trying to make it more mysterious, and it's already plenty mysterious. And I think they didn't talk about enough about what an accomplishment this was. Yeah. For some reason we hear about her appearance. And then, yeah, we go into this eyewitness account of people being murdered that there's no reason to think that is Amelia Earhart and Fred Noonan. Yeah. So I just think it's irresponsible.
0: I also wonder, and I guess maybe at at this point, these bones that were found in the 1940s were completely dismissed? Like, if they're trying to talk about the mystery around Amelia Earhart, why didn't they bring up these bones? Which, at the time, people thought could be Amelia Earhart.
1: Yeah, and there's... I guess we just—they just believed the science that said that they were, right, from a man. But but why even bring up this whole Saipan thing? Be, who knows. I guess just because they could talk to this dude about his looting days. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. It's very extremely. Can you tell? It's irritating. I can you tell. They, I didn't enjoy it.
0: Everyone. The real, like, the truth about Amelia Earhart is way more
1: fascinating than this bullshit. No, they did like th- such a bad job. Her
0: being a castaway on an islet, like. Going back and f- I want to see that movie where she's going yeah. back and forth from the plane. When there's
1: sharks, it's so dramatic.
0: Yeah, Send recharging her batteries at night on her. So we already know how it's gonna end. It's I know hard. that's the that's the bad part is that she dies at the end. So mm, sorry, Amelia. Yeah, it's also so unfortunate. It's like if she was sending out distress calls and people were, were picking them up at the time. They I picked know. them up between July second and July seventh. I hate that. So if if we are to believe that she died after July seventh, that was. They could have gone and rescued her. That was several days when they could have gone to the island and saved her. So, and it sounds like she wasn't even injured, other than an ankle injury. Yeah, she probably just couldn't find enough food and supplies, and apparently got really hot during the day. Yeah, so she, she wasn't prepared for it. Oh my god, it's awful. I know. And she had, I guess, on the plane she, they mentioned in the show, she they had enough supplies to live for like two or three days. Yeah. So I think just she that ran out eventually. Easily could have been rescued.
1: Uh yeah if only she knew how to use a radio <laughs> maybe the reason i was like there's no way this is true is that we have this podcast equipment sitting here right here that we don't even know how to use and, and somehow we produce a podcast still we make a podcast so i just i just fucking refused immediately like no that's not it
0: it's just ridiculous the radio is such an integral part of her job as a pilot and she was the most successful female pilot one of the most successful pilots of ever. the time ever. Yeah. So and to say that she just didn't know how to do a critical part of that job is ridiculous.
1: It seems yeah. sexist on its face. Yeah. He was just like, you know who was a bad pilot? Amelia Earhart. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> because, yeah, using the radio is a pretty important part of that whole thing. Uh-huh. You know who I'm super fascinated by, though, is Howard Hughes. Also famous pilot. You've mentioned this on the, before I on know. the podcast, I think. I don't I. So I, another time I'll, i should bring that up as a recommendation i've been to his grave Ooh. in houston I mean, he was a horrible person horrible person basically a murderer indirectly but just fascinating but also yeah he did a lot of historic flight things hmm. <laughs> am i just procrastinating on talking about my mystery <sighs> i don't yes. remember what your mystery was uh, it's the most terrifying one i've ever oh, seen oh yeah actually i do now this is a wanted case. Strong trigger warning for watching this segment and possibly even us talking about it. If you have any experience with uh, partner abuse, domestic abuse, even just like a really controlling partner or ex. This will be, this ex, be difficult for you to hear about. Because I, I found this upsetting and I feel like I have been lucky in that regard and I still did not enjoy watching this. Agreed. Because... It honestly might be the scariest reenactment we've seen yet. This is the case of Rick Church, who was wanted at the time for the murder of Ray and Ruth Ann Ritter in Woodstock, Illinois. Rick dated their daughter, Colleen. Um, he was a family friend, like his family and her family had known each other forever. They went to the same church, blah, blah, blah. Rick and Colleen started dating in high school when she was a sophomore and he was a senior. And they had dated for a year or so, but he went off to college at Northern University in DeKalb. And, you know, that just doesn't usually work. right? She's still in high school. It's she's still as old as time. Yeah, she's still doing high school stuff. He's far away. He was calling her every night. And in the reenactment, she's like, yeah, but you never say anything. And I don't know. They just had lots in common and blah, blah, blah. So he comes back for a break. He finds out that his parents, of who have been together for 25 years, are getting divorced. And then Colleen breaks up with him.
0: Which, I mean... That's, that's rough. Those are shitty things to have happened. to you. That is a
1: rough break. But, I mean, who hasn't been there? Uh, Rick proceeds to try to murder her and her entire family.
0: Oh, well,
1: that's not the right way to handle that. No, that is an extreme reaction. An extreme, unnecessary reaction. <laughs> My... One of my many thoughts watching this segment was that this is proof that sexuality is not a choice. No woman watched this and then went, I choose to keep dating men. Such a good point. That's a really rational thing to do. I feel totally safe around men. Mm -hmm. I feel safe rejecting them. I feel safe when things just naturally don't work out. Yep. Yep. Uh, I I don't even have something funny to say about that because it's just fucking true why 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 would anyone date a man after watching this it's straight up terrifying Uh terrifying okay so we get a reenactment we hear from Colleen talking about how they met blah 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 I don't care (laughs) Because he's so terrible. Like, I don't want to hear about... How he was a good athlete no, and a good student. No. And all... Blah, blah, blah. This guy yeah. is bottom feeder, trash, garbage human. I don't want to hear about the good days and whatever. Like, I... I don't know. Colleen, like, talks about dumping him and how they want... She wanted them to remain friends. And I was like... She was so nice about the breakup, too. She like. was so... No- I... Yeah.
0: She seemed extremely mature and honestly, even her talking about it in the Unsolved Mysteries segment, I was like, You are so composed. She really considering her
1: parents are dead, she really, yeah, had great composure of herself and was talking about this, you know, pretty calmly and So I can imagine she handled this breakup in a very mature way. Yeah. She seemed like a very mature person. Considering she was in high school. I wasn't that mature in high school. (laughs) I'm not that mature now. (laughs) I'm, I'm not that mature talking about this guy. I never met him, and he certainly didn't kill my parents. Right. So the way that it unfolds, yeah, they're like, according to the reenactment, sitting in, a, in their truck, and she's like, "Look, this just isn't working. I think it's time for us to see other people." You know, he's very mad and he storms off. L- later that night, or I don't know, maybe a couple nights later. I don't remember the timeline yeah she's at her house she has a friend over her younger brother who is 11 also has a friend over their their parents are out they're at an irish fest partying with their friends and he calls and she's like i'm busy like i don't have time she's already dumped his ass right she's like i don't really have time to talk to you right now i'm busy doing stuff for her she doesn't sound like she was mean about it she was just like i don't have time to talk yeah He gets mad and hangs up. She doesn't really think about anything of it, because he gets mad and hangs up sometimes, and also, she dumped him, right? Sure. So, the friends are sleeping over, they eventually go to bed, the parents go to bed. Then we get this reenactment in the pitch black house, so everything is, like, deep blue. This is so horrible. Of Rick coming into the house, murdering her parents while they sleep... In a gruesome reenactment, it's a that's it's, like
0: done in slow motion with a
1: lot of close the up shots. music scary. Of this the is knife. like horror movie level stuff. It really is. Um, so he murders them as they sleep. He goes and he stabs her brother a, numerous times, and then comes after Colleen. She at one point pretends to be dead, hoping that he'll stop. That doesn't work. She tells him that she loves him. Hoping that he'll stop. That doesn't work. She eventually, despite being stabbed by the end of it 20 times, Ugh. many to the back of the head, she manages to run out into the street, which they show in the reenactment. She's just like wearing a nightshirt shirt and shrieking. It's awful. Yep. And at this point, neighbors hear the commotion. They come upside. Rick runs away.
0: Yep, she basically, she so in the reenactment, they show her collapsing in the street. Yeah. And then her neighbor screams because he sees Rick chasing her with a knife. Yeah. And then he runs off.
1: Colleen had called 911 before Rick started attacking her, but I don't think she was able to give the operator any information. While she's out on the street, her brother, despite being stabbed multiple times and only being 11, calls back and is able to give the dispatcher their address. And the police arrive very quickly they think that maybe rick has gone back into the house so they go inside search to search the house and they find colleen's parents dead Uh. rick has actually gone to his home has packed up his shit and left in that period of time of them searching the house so when this airs he's still on the run he's on the run so that's why i'm saying this is the scariest thing can you imagine watching this which is essentially a horror movie and then them being like, this guy's out there. In fact, he could be behind you right now. <laughs> so scary. And this isn't like Freddy versus Jason where you gotta go like, oh, well, yeah, that was... This man is crazy. unhinged. Yeah. And he's was literally on the run for three years. Ugh. He was featured on America's Most Wanted five times before they caught him. Wow. Which meant that Colleen... Had to go on with her life. Just knowing he was out there. Just knowing he was out there. Having murdered her parents. And probably still wants to murder her. Yeah. Clearly hasn't... Didn't take the breakup well. No reason to think he's suddenly, like, matured into a great person who doesn't want her dead. Right? So she goes into critical care for all of her stab wounds. She's still in there with her parents' funeral. She doesn't get to attend. Ugh. to say goodbye to them and they have to have police protection for her and her brother because they don't know if rick's gonna come back and try to kill them again horrible it's horrible it's horrible it's a terrifying case and i just feel like such a scary segment because if you're watching this it's like and yeah, like and he's right behind you and don't go to your car by the way <laughs> like don't go outside yeah. and certainly never go on a date with a man ever of course. that's the best advice <laughs> So I re- I read a little bit more about this case. Yes, he has been captured. <laughs> he oh was on, he was on the run for 3 years. He is still in jail. So, don't worry about that part. He was captured working at a fast food res- restaurant in Salt Lake City. Oh, I don't know that I ever mentioned. Oh, right. This was in Woodstock. So, he had run off to Salt Lake City. He was captured in November of 91. It was just by coincidence that an FBI agent went to this, I think it was a barbecue restaurant, and recognized this guy's face from a wanted poster. For some of his run, he had grown a beard, but by this point he had shaved it and he just had a shorter haircut than he originally did and was going under a false name.
0: Wow. Can you imagine? He just showed up at a barbecue restaurant and was like,
1: And then was like, that guy looks really familiar. And then realized it was the guy from the wanted poster. um, And then talked to his supervisor to get his, like employment information and realized it was the same guy that this is not his real name because he was using the birth certificate or social security number of someone that was 33 years old and the FBI went yeah that guy's not 33 yeah so you know they looked into it and it it was him um you're interested in learning a little bit more about this case um the Chicago Tribune has an article called grizzly tail unfolds as Rick is church enters guilty plea, he did end up um pleading guilty to avoid the death penalty um, so he is still in prison and will remain so um there's there's some conflicting information about this case. I don't want to really get into the super gory details of it. S- sometimes articles said he killed people with a hammer. some people Oof. times people said that he stabbed him with. a with a knife. There's talk of like a nail and a board being used in a, as a weapon on the brother. Oh, is. I can.
0: I'm Unsolved sh- Mysteries often leaves these details out, so I wouldn't be surprised if that was true. And Unsolved Mysteries was like, we can't say this on television. It's,
1: it's too gross. I mean, what they showed was terrifying enough. So, yeah, if you would like to know a little bit more information about that, there are some articles about it. Um, I, I, I don't know. It's. I just hate this dude, and... God, I'm glad he's in prison forever, but... <laughs> yeah, the so one horrible. that talked about the FBI agent is also from the Chicago Tribune. It's Fugitive Church Returns to Face Murder Charges in Woodstock. And um, I also read a, an article that I would not recommend, which is from, like, his family's perspective about... They didn't hear from him for the three years they were on the run. And they are like, yeah, like, we feel bad for the family, but also we want to know what's up with our son. And I was like, I don't care. <sighs> Your son killed someone's entire family. Like. Yeah. And they were like, well, <laughs> we, we want to we talk to him, and there's two sides to every story, and we hope we can get him acquitted. Acquitted? Yeah. Look, I,
0: I don't know how I would react if I found out my son did a crime like this, so it's hard for me to say that that's the wrong reaction, but
1: you would want to think your parents would support you, but I think if I went and I murdered someone's whole family, my parents would be like, yeah, we're done with you. <laughs> I want hope. Like, there, there is never suggested that he did not do this, by the way. Right, there's no question. Yeah, he pled guilty to avoid the death penalty. Even when his parents were talking about getting him acquitted, they were talking about like a temporary insanity or diminished capacity defense. Nobody is suggesting that someone else committed this crime. Um... So oh. I'm just glad that he is in prison. Yeah. It's really, really awful. It, uh, it does seem like Colleen was able to move on with her life. At least when he was arrested, she was engaged and was just relieved that he was finally captured so she didn't have to worry about that anymore. And, oh, my God. It, it's, a, it's... I can't imagine watching that and knowing that guy was still out there. <sighs> Yeah, that's terrible. I hate watching. So usually I like to watch some forensic files before bed. And usually that's fine. They're caught. You know, forensics worked. But every so often it's like, oh, and then it turned out the forensics didn't catch him. And he is still out there. And then I'm like, oh, that person's in my front yard. It doesn't matter like where that crime (laughs) took place. Like then suddenly it's like, oh, wait, actually, this is freaky. Yeah. Hmm. They're probably in my closet. I should go check. (laughs)
0: all right we have one more mystery in this episode it's, it's so boring it's
1: very boring and very short so i
0: apologize in advance my coverage of this is probably gonna be
1: i took like bad. no notes on this and i was just like what club and drug lords who cares i do have an mvm from this segment though great because i don't
0: there's a part at the very beginning where robert stack is talking about the sting operation and he comes out on like the courthouse steps uh-huh. and there's a cop behind him uh-huh with this bushy just like double caterpillar mustache oh that's what it's called the double caterpillar (laughs) it's like because it's bushier than a normal caterpillar it's like an extra big caterpillar it's like two
1: caterpillars mating yeah and he's just mating right on his face
0: you can tell he's very proud of this mustache too his just stance is i'm just proud owner of this mustache (laughs) and he's right behind robert stack so i'll post that on instagram okay i
1: missed this somehow i don't even know that police officer even had a name in the second He's just it, he was identified as mustache owner. <laughs> owner of the double caterpillar. Yeah. Local hero.
0: Yep. Okay, so this is all about the sting operation to catch these Colombian drug lords. And the It's just a besides lot of that mustache. Reenactments of guys on phones. Yeah, the only I I he even, I don't even know if I can say anything good about this mysteries. We did a that, lot of talk about landline phones if you want
1: some that, nostalgia. Uh, movie Blow with Johnny Depp. What if that didn't have Johnny's app on it, and I just had a bunch of dudes on phones? That's this. <laughs> what if it was the most boring like a scenes out of Blow without Johnny's app? Just some dudes you don't care about. Selling phones. Talking on the phone, selling phones. Sometimes three guys are on a phone at the same time. Whoa! Okay, so I did a bad copy and paste job where
0: I cut off part of this guy's name. <laughs> I think his name was Julio Cruz. Sure. I'm not really sure. I did such a bad job. I was too busy researching Amelia Earhart. Okay. So, he was a Colombian drug runner, and his boss was Jesus Penaver. The two have handled, shipped, and sold over $50 million worth of cocaine. Okay, well, who cares? Colombian drug traffickers such as Penaver and Cruz wreaked havoc throughout Colombia during the 1980s. Some of the drug cartels cartels brought cocaine and other drugs to the United States. In order to combat these cartels, the FBI set up a risky sting operation
1: in an electronics store. I'm just surprised this worked. <laughs> because I feel like, I don't know, I feel like we're too clueless to pull off stuff like this that people would actually think like, oh, let's use this electronics store for our illegal business. Yeah.
0: So this isn't even really a mystery. This is just like the FBI had an opportunity to
1: like pat themselves in the back yeah. of national TV. So I'm sure the FBI had gotten some bad press recently, as often happens, and they were like, Let's put out a story about how great we are.
0: That's kinda of what this is. So the operation started in May nineteen eighty seven, taking place at quote RA Communications in Miami, Florida. This company sold sophisticated telephone systems and electronic devices. There's a really- hey, look real sophisticated there's a really funny reenactment it's funny now where like a secretary or someone is sitting at a front desk and someone comes in and she's like yes sir we have car phones
1: we have pagers (laughs) what do you need like I got it for you also there's like there's just a desk and like a white wall. Like, I feel like if you went into an electronics store, there would be electronics. Like, I'm coming in to look at car phones. Show me some fucking car phones. Why is there just her saying, yeah, what can I get you? Pager, uh, beeper. I think that might be the same thing. Uh, This
0: looks like... Operation. Yeah,
1: I was like, "Do you want that Zach Morris phone from Saved by the Bell? We have that. Like, why is there no electronics in this electronics store? Don't know." So, some of the new devices at the time included
0: cellular phones and beepers.
1: What? The manager Jay and his receptionist Sandy. Do you think I could get us beepers and we could just beep each other back and forth? (laughs) I kind of want to do that. We'd be so cool. It'd be like long distance walk. Be like, what is that? Oh, it's my beeper. What's oh, my beeper? It's it's my just, podcast beeper. It's, it's just really important. Liz saying, you suck, smiley face, <laughs> over and over again. <laughs> So the manager, Jay,
0: and his receptionist, Sandy, were both highly trained FBI agents. Soon, drug traffickers came into the store hoping to buy the latest in electronic communication devices. This is so funny because they, like, bait these people with phones. Yeah, I don't like, You know what Colombian drug cartels need? Phones. And so they just set up a store for phones, and then understand. the Colombian drug cartel just waltzes in. I don't understand how they knew to go to that store. I don't know. No, actually, I do know. They don't. The problem is, is that they don't go into a lot of details in the unsolved mysteries segment, but they got informants. Oh. Okay. So I think the informants just like went to their drug cartel buddies and we're said, like, hey, hey, we're going to get our phones from this place.
1: I think I know a great place to buy some untappable phones. Yeah, and then, so
0: basically the informants went to their buddies and said, hey, I'm working with this electronics guy. He's legit. He's going to sell us some phones that can't be tapped. Like, that's how this went down. Oh, okay. But the way
1: they made it sound in the in Isn't they just like wandering that, around and this woman was like, can I get you a pager?
0: You know what a perfect trap is for Colombian drug cartels?
1: Phones! I'm just picturing, like, a kiosk at the mall that sells, like, phone cases.
0: Well, if someone was trying to get you in a sting operation, what store would they set up? Oh my
1: god. Okay. I feel like, for me, it would be, like, a frozen yogurt shop. That also had rare polar waters? Yes. And it was... (laughs) And puppies you could pet? I would be in there in a hot second. And it was called Samantha's? (laughs) was just like come in pet puppies eat frozen yogurt and drink yeti mischief polar water aka my dream it's, it's all you can eat for five dollars <laughs> yeah what would be yours um, <laughs> mine would have um mini eggs all year round nice. and yeah vintage pyrex it might just be an estate sale that also had food <laughs> actually and then it was like and then we're gonna go in the basement and talk about blade runner and i'd be like yeah this is amazing then you get arrested yeah it's like like the best day of my life It's like oh uh so here's uh dead people's shit you can buy for very little money and here's our um french toast waffle bar (laughs) and yeah here's where you get your your mini eggs (laughs) And if you want, yeah, if you want to go downstairs and watch 90s cartoons and talk about Blade Runner, right this way. And I'd be like, oh, no, I'm arrested. You're just, like, skipping through this old house. Yeah, like, tears of joy pouring (laughs) down my face because I'm so happy. They're like, oh, we have all of these old strawberry shortcake toys, and they're only a dollar each. And I'm like, what? And then, yeah, I get arrested. I know that um, I had to take some class when I lived in Las Cruces about, like, security and stuff. And they said that if they were trying to get someone that, that skipped out on bail, they always just sent a police officer to the high school football game. Oh. <laughs> and that they would, yeah, inevitably show up. Or they would find out where they played basketball.
0: Okay. That seems legit. Yeah, I guess it's really hard to skip bail. These like these days because it's like there's people that specialize in tracking you down, which there always yeah. have been, but they're like really good at it now because you can have to keep you there's no way you cannot leave an electronic trail. Right. So anyway, uh so yeah, the Colombian drug lord started pouring into this electronic store. They were interested in several new car phones, ship to shore radios, and airplane telecommunication devices. Overall, they wanted untraceable communication. The employees at RA, all FBI agents, claimed that the devices could not be traced or infiltrated by the authorities. Within just six months, nearly <laughs> Except all... Except that's
1: all that they did.
0: <laughs> within six months, nearly all of RA customers were people associated with drug trafficking. Soon, major players of the drug trafficking underworld, such as Jesus Penavaler I think I said his name right. Penavale... Anyway, began to frequent the store and its clubhouse. Why did this electronics
1: store yeah, have a clubhouse? It's real weird. That doesn't tip like them off <laughs> that they're like also to do your illegal activities right this way into this room we furnished to your liking. So he came to trust
0: the FBI agents and freely discussed his drug operations. He even made drug deals while using the company's phone. Apart- like we
1: filled it with white leather couches and mirrored um, coffee tables covered in cocaine. That's what you like, right? And they were like, "Wow, let's just spend all our time at the phone store." <laughs> what? They didn't have their own. What's the point of having a criminal enterprise if you don't even have a cool hangout spot? no idea. It's a great question. Of course, the calls were both audio and video
0: recorded. (laughs) Other drug traffickers soon joined in, making drug transactions and deals while while at the clubhouse. Cruz also started making drug transactions while he was there. Cruz planned on receiving over 100 kilos of cocaine in early November on a boat called the Tremolo. However, the FBI contacted the Coast Guard and on November 19th, 1988 the Coast Guard seized over 800 pounds of cocaine. The next day Cruz showed up at RA Communications along with his bodyguards. Surprisingly he seemed to know nothing about his boat's <laughs> capture. <laughs> I Despite don't having th- these fancy
1: phones, no one called him told him. <laughs> I don't think this guy was really that great at dealing <laughs> drugs.
0: It seems like all of these people were either really complacent from probably never getting caught or yeah, just dumb. So in order to to keep his cover, Agent Jay told him about the the Tramellos' capture. Cruz was infuriated but had no idea that Jay and the other agents were actually responsible. He continued to use the company's phone for his drug business. They let this go on forever. So Yeah, I was like, when are you busting these people? Don't know. So, during the fall of 1988, Pennevere began making romantic advances on Sandy. Of course. The FBI feared that she and the other agents might be in jeopardy. Therefore, they decided to end the operation, and on December 6th, 1988... Also, they already had
1: boatloads of evidence. Literal boatloads of evidence. They have a whole boat stacked to the gills <laughs> with cocaine. Why do they Not enough. Why we do they need more to of keep... It. I think they just liked the phone store. Probably. They were having fun. (laughs) They were like, no, let's just keep hanging out with drug lords at the phone store. And then they were like, ooh, uh, Sandy's going to get kidnapped and murdered. We need to shut this down. (laughs) So in 1988, they brought
0: charges against 93 drug traffickers. The FBI captured the majority of uh, their traffickers, but Penovaire and Cruz slipped through getting arrested. Slipped by, they didn't get arrested, and they vanished. Their whereabouts are unknown. So, like the two biggest guys never. Okay.
1: So, they were captured. These later. guys aren't good at dealing drugs. The FBI is not good at catching drug dealers. The whole dance goes on. It's like on a vaudevillian skit or something. Ugh. Okay. Cruz was
0: later arrested and sentenced to 17 years in prison for drug trafficking. He has since been released. However, Penaver is still wanted by the authorities. So. That was that mystery. It wasn't a mystery. I guess it was sort of a wanted. Yeah, but
1: but they didn't even really like show you that many photos of him or act like you were going to catch him. You know what I mean? It was just like, look at this cool thing the FBI did, and we're going to talk about phones for ten minutes. I do have another Las Cruces story, which was why I was living there. The, I think the feds, I think the FBI set up. A tattoo parlor as part of a sting operation to learn about drug dealing or uh, mm-hmm. arms dealing—I can't remember—but it was in the paper because a guy had paid for an entire, like, large tattoo. Got in part of that tattoo, the bust happened. <laughs> they just shut it down. They just shut it down <laughs> because it wasn't really a tattoo parlor. It was part of this sting operation with this hap, you know, this innocent. <laughs> bystander who just wanted a tattoo had gone so he had to like sue the government to get his money back for the remainder of his tattoo well good for him I'm glad he got his money back yeah i know it's just the most like new mexico story <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh if only i hadn't gone to the sting <laughs> operation <laughs> tattoo parlor <It's> hilarious
0: <sighs> do you think the police officers had to learn how to tattoo
1: yeah that was kind of my they're question right there with their little tattoo guns i do feel like that city has like way more tattoo parlors than the economy can possibly support so yeah how is there going to be another i don't know huh. anyway okay. well, should we uh, rate this episode i guess so mysteriousness uh, i guess the Amelia Earhart story would have been mysterious but not the way they covered it my mystery was mysterious and completely terrifying it wasn't really mysterious though like they know who did it yeah they just didn't know where he was and if he was right behind you or in your closet or under your bed and then this drug cartel thing was just an excuse to talk about the fbi it was i feel like the government probably paid unsolved mysteries to do a nice segment on them which is something they, they do influence stuff like that so yeah that's my theory all right reenactments uh, mine was completely terrifying. The Amelia Earhart ones were trash, garbage mm-hmm. that you wish you could recycle. You like get some plastic and you're like, surely I can recycle this. And you flip it over and you can't. That's that. That's. <laughs> Un-recyclable, unrecyclable plastic. Pla- unnecessarily unrecyclable plastic, is those Emilia Earhart's <laughs> thumbs down. Thumbs down. I don't have much to
0: say about the fashion. Do you? I feel like no. there was some like teenage fashion in yours,
1: but it wasn't that remarkable. No, nah, I was just kind of standard, like, I don't know, L.L. Bean and some stripes or something. Yeah, so yeah. thumbs mm. down on that
0: one, too. I do have an MVM. It's the unnamed cop behind Robert Stack. The double The double caterpillar. The double
1: caterpillar. Proud owner of a mustache. Um, Robert Stack. I feel like he was barely in this. Yeah, he kind of showed up at
0: the in the drug cartel one, but for the most part, it was just old footage of Amelia Earhart and racist depictions of the Japanese. Yeah. So yeah, that's that. Thumbs down. Thumbs down all around. On a scale of one for sure. to ten,
1: it's hard for me. No, we only go to five, Samantha. You just added in five more Robert Stacks. <laughs> I quit. <laughs> 10 I quit. being the most Robert's podcast. No, it's five out of five Robert Stack okay. is the best. I'm, yeah,
0: I'm done. And I also give this like a two Robert's Stack. Yeah, I
1: was going to say a one it's and a half. because I like
0: the Amelia Earhart story, but I don't like how they portrayed it in the show. So just judging off that, I'm like, oh yeah,
1: two. I, I, yeah, I guess a two. Because I do think my mystery was good. It's just so scary. Right. But, I I mean, I'm glad they covered it. it. It doesn't seem like that led to his arrest, but I guess I'm glad they tried. Yeah. Um, it is a good true crime story, but it's also, yeah, super scary. Super really scary tragic. and violent, and this country's terrible, and yeah. um, hex the patriarchy. Sure. Always do that. Yeah. Every day. Every day that you can. Hex the patriarchy. Good. I think there's lots of examples of why that's necessary in this episode, actually. agree. Oh, <laughs> All right. Hit us with a recommendation. Oh, so I maybe should have included this as an update, but we did make that gift guide for you. That is up on our website oh, right. under recommendations. All the credit goes to Liz. I selected <laughs> up this year and
0: contributed almost nothing. That doesn't matter. But it, they're good gift ideas. So yes. If you, if you want to send that to your mom, if you want to send something like, to your favorite
1: podcast, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, that. It might, look, you know who, who that is. I don't know what you but. to do. If you want to buy your podcast host a keychain that says my heart belongs to satan i already got samantha one uh yeah i really want these goblets that they have at the madonna inn in california that's on the list some cool stuff they have a very like love witch vibe to them and i don't need them but i fucking want them so that is is our own gift guide my recommendation sort of and then a local only local, sorry, everywhere else recommendation is that the Women's Wood Shop is having a holiday sale on Saturday. Ooh. What date is that? December Eighth. 8th? <laughs> From 10 to 5. And that's a really cool place. I'll have some stuff for sale there. There's lots of other female and non binary artisans, and it's just a cool establishment that we support so if I you have, have a chance have to go to it because
0: i because of the snow i missed the craft fair that liz
1: was in last night very disappointed yeah it was, it so. was pleasant but then as soon as i came back it's like so much extrovert energy that i was just like collapsing bed, i get it yeah i didn't even realize like because i was at the acupuncture clinic in the morning and then they did that in the evening and then I was like, like, oh, this is why I don't work retail anymore. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I can't talk to people all day. It's so tiring. Anyway, whoa. Yes, Women's Woodshop. Holiday sale. Also, gift guide.
0: That's a great I'm recommendation. Wow. That's also a very seasonal recommendation, which I don't have a seasonal <laughs> That's recommendation.
1: Fine. I wonder... Who gives a shit about the holidays, really? <laughs> True. Uh,
0: so, I think on this show, I have recommend the novels The Expanse. Which are, it's a sci-fi series that's one of my favorites, um... I'm almost positive I've recommended that before because it's one of my favorite books. Um, If you like sci-fi and you haven't read it, I highly recommend it. It's very diverse, which is one of my favorite things about it. The plot is great. Everything about it is great, but it also has an extremely diverse cast of characters that are all really well thought out. And it's just, that's really rare in the genre of sci-fi and fantasy. Well,
1: it's kind of rare always. Well, that's true.
0: Uh, So, they made a TV show a while back. It was on the Sci-Fi Network. I never started watching it because, one, I didn't have sci-fi, and then when it when it wound up on amazon prime sci-fi canceled it almost immediately there was a big uproar about sci-fi canceling it because it was a really well-produced show um it was really bringing diversity to the genre um they cast it extremely well uh i think like george r, r. martin and a bunch of other like famous authors and movie producers and things came out against sci-fi mm. canceling it anyway uh Amazon picked it up oh. and is continuing to produce it. They're producing a fourth season. The trailer just came out. So I decided I was gonna give it a try because I kind of always wanted to, but I never wanted to get invested in the show if it was just gonna end after three because there's gonna sure. be ten books. There's like eight books out. So if it was gonna be done after three seasons, I didn't want to get invested. But I decided to try it and I love it. It's just as good as oh, I expected good. it to be. It's extremely well produced. Um I was kind of I always kinda of wonder how they'll show things that are in space in a Mm. realistic way. Because it's kind of like, well, if people are walking around in gravity, like it's like space. But they do a really, really good job. The special effects are amazing. Um, The cast of characters are perfect. I really enjoy it. Um, And that's on Amazon now? It's on Amazon now. And if you have Prime, it's free. Hmm, So they're producing a fourth season now. I think the second or third book is my favorite, and that's where some of the best characters in my opinion are so i'm looking forward to those seasons mm. of the show but it's really good um so if you're looking for something to watch also i just found out today that nailed it is coming back for another season
1: <laughs> i'm so excited it's a christmas miracle just for so that's also part of how you lure samantha into this frozen yogurt store is they just show nailed, nailed it.
0: it. they say there's new episodes of nailed it being screened in here and what? i sprint inside <laughs> I thought it was just going to be one episode. I thought it was just going to be a Christmas special, but it's actually going to be seven episodes. And oh. they might be holiday themed. I'm not really sure, but I, I can't wait. It's I think it comes out next week. Oh. And I'm sure Perfect. Netflix is going to drop all of them,
1: so I'll probably binge them in one night. Lovely. What a great night that will be. Can't wait. You can make yourself some hot chocolate. You can get all cozy. Yeah. Just not move from the couch. Yeah. I can't wait. Oh, also, update... Though I was talking about this on Patreon, so sorry if you're not on Patreon. I was talking about how the Satanic Temple was suing Netflix over the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Right. For a copyrighted statue. Of Baphomet. That is in the show. Well, Netflix just announced that new episodes are coming in April, so. I guess that's not going to affect. I guess. Too bad, Satanists. You didn't win this round. Did the Satan... I don't... I still don't understand. Someone needs to tell us. I... I, guess I
0: could google it myself but the satanic temple didn't invent baphomet
1: i think it's this particular image where like two children are standing looking up at him oh okay i i don't know i guess we'll see if the Who court knows? thinks that they have a valid claim to that or that not. trademark yeah hmm. interesting but i'm glad it'll be coming back good even though it's very silly <laughs> Sometimes you just have to watch silly things. Uh, you know, like it's, it's enjoyable. It. I like to think I'm a witchy aunt, and that show has too. So
0: when I told Travis about Nailed It coming back, because he also loves the show, not quite as much as I do, but he loves the show. He his response to me was, "Did you email Netflix and ask yeah. them to?" Because I emailed Netflix and asked them to bring back more seasons of cannabis First <laughs> Handyman, which is a normal thing
1: to do. <laughs> 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 I did not know this about you, and I love it.
0: Yeah I'm sure there. Whoever read that email Was like What? No one watches This
1: show <laughs> You're like so I do
0: This one person uh, So yeah They haven't responded To me about Canada's worst handyman uh, but I'm not the only one that likes Nailed It I'm the only one that likes Canada's Worth Handyman but
1: no you're not Mac loves it
0: oh that's right yes. wasn't that he the one that told
1: me about it yes that? okay so, so me and Mac Mac needs to also write a letter maybe we'll get somewhere two two people have <laughs> two, you guys two people have written about this show I think we need to do something <laughs> <laughs> I mean maybe maybe if you watch Sabrina I want to know if you think I'm a Zelda or a Hilda okay those are the ants nice. which one Am I the friendly, helpful English aunt, or am I the cold, aloof, very dedicated to Satan aunt <laughs> that smokes from like a ring that I want? I feel like that's you're the you're the better. I think I'm the friendly one that wants to be the bitchy one, oh. but I'd like to hear what other people think. Okay, let this us is know. very important. Join our Facebook group. Lots and of let good me discussions know if I'm a Hilda there. or a Zelda, <laughs> and how I can make my life more like their life. <laughs> also, very important. What were right, the, what Dark were the, Lord. The twins' names in the episode a couple times back. One of them was Lavelda. Lavelda. I think it was Laveda and Lavelda. Oof. And I'm still mad. My name is not. From Lavelda. now on, we will only respond to Aunt Laveda and Aunt Lavelda.
0: <laughs> so please refer to us. I as am such. technically an, an aunt, even though I me say too. aunt. So
1: I'm an aunt by marriage. Yeah, me too. So there you go. So yeah, I hope we calm. are we are the cool mystery. Hell aunts. yeah! Yeah, it's valid so valid so valid so yes is that it we're on the social medias we have a facebook group
0: the facebook group is really fun if you want to interact with us directly that's the place to go it's just perhaps
1: it's you um also like our facebook page like our uh, follow us on instagram and twitter yep and you could email us perhaps it's you podcast at gmail.com or there's a form on our website Perhaps it's you.com. If you have a paranormal story, or you made out with Robert Stack, or you actually know where Amelia Earhart's bones are... Send us an email. Yeah. You should let us know, for sure. And you should give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, because you know we deserve it. In fact, you should give us a 10 out of 10 Robert Stack (laughs) review, because Samantha forgot what we rate things out of. So now we get 10s. We get all 10s. 10s across the board. Agreed. Uh, You should also don't
0: consider throwing some money our way via Patreon. You yeah. do get some cool bonuses. Go I to think that fountain. we're going to have some new bonuses next oh, year. Oh, yes, we so are. So stay tuned for For the that. new
1: year. Uh, yeah, that's uh, patreon.com slash perhaps it's you. Go to the fountain, scoop up those coins, deposit them in your bank, and then send <laughs> us the- <laughs> Yeah, don't send us the wet coins. <laughs> the wet below. What was that mystery where the guy was just leaving letters at the mall and we were like, that's not how letters work. That's what I'm picturing now, that you're at the mall, you put the change in the envelope, and then you just write, perhaps it's you on it, and you leave leave it it on a banister. Like, we'll get it somehow. No, that's not how this works. Yeah, you (laughs) need to sign up via (laughs) Patreon.com. Use a credit card. All right. I could use a nap and definitely some snacks, so we're going to go. All right, bye. Get out there. Solve some mysteries, bitches. Bye. Bye.